0: Welcome ladies and gentlemen to The Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. My name is Jeremy. And we are here to discuss The Uncanny X-Men number 178, the February 1984 issue, which was on sale on November 8th of 1983. It had a cover price of 60 cents and it was titled Hell Hath No Fury.
1: Without spoiling the episode or the issue, is there a scorned woman in this episode? I mean, this issue.
0: I, based solely on the previous issue, I would assume that it would be Mystique. Oh. But um, I don't remember much of what happened in this issue. (laughs) We
1: didn't actually read this one, so we're just going to look at the pictures and uh, just make assumptions as to uh, what's going on.
0: We are winging it.
1: On the cover of this one, we have New Storm Mohawk Lady flying around, getting zapped by Pyro's lightning fire. Looks like lightning, but it's fire. Nightcrawler's teleporting around and punching Avalanche in the face. Uh, We get a nice backside picture of Wolverine who's going in to stab the blob and we get a cleavage-y picture of Amanda Sefton using some magic against Avalanche.
0: Oh, is that who that is? Jeez. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you didn't know? I'm
0: like, who is the lady with the uh the wristband m- magic? <laughs> I don't remember her being a part of the X-Men. Um again, we have uh John Romita Jr. really likes people's backs. Yeah. Backs are not good for covers.
1: Not really.
0: Not even Storm's back.
1: It- this is not a very compelling cover.
0: It lacks a lot of detail.
1: If I was new to the X-Men and I was just going up to the comic rack and this was up there, I guess I'd have to see what like this month's Avengers look like. looks like. But, yeah, I mean, it's fighting, so it looks like it's a little action-packed, but it's a lot of backs.
0: The colors are not very dynamic. It's it's just not very interesting.
1: The green background is kind of like, eh, we kind of lazed out on what's going on in the background. Yeah. I agree. Um, but then you've got all that cleavage on Amanda Sefton, so you're like, well, maybe there's something there. No. <laughs> or not. Honestly, actually, uh, in all the years that I've uh, known of this issue's existence, I think this is the first time I noticed her cleavage. So I don't know what that tells you.
0: It's not very uh, – it's like it's, – it's, it's not that it's not very impressive. It's just that it's it's not very noticeable. It isn't. So –
1: there you go, and uh, the expression on Blob's face—I don't know—it's not He's about very... to
0: get stabbed in the neck, and he's just like, "Bring it on!" It's not a very good,
1: and and uh, I guess the oh, other thing—oh, and thing... Wolverine's back too. Yeah, it's all—it's nothing but Wolverine's back. The perspective is all weird too because. It looks like we're looking down on Wolverine and Blob, but we're looking at the side of Nightcrawler and Avalanche, and then at kind of a different perspective. Like, if you look at Amanda Sefton and you look at Wolverine, they're drawn like they're next to each other, but they're in two different
0: planes of existence. Why isn't Amanda Sefton attacking Pyro? She's right next to him.
1: She's, yeah, I mean, he's right behind, or she's right behind him, so she could be, like, magic, magic hexing his head and making him all confused. You know, it's almost as... As if uh, John Romita was doing like a little X-Men um, uh, Brotherhood of Evil Mutants montage, which would be fine um, if there was something separating all of the fight scenes rather than kind of this bland green background, uh, which kind of makes it look like it looks like li- makes it look like it's all one fight scene. But it's not. It can't
0: be. This feels like an, a sketch on a napkin.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Chris Claremont, what do you think of this? Uh oh, Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even care.
0: <laughs> I'm so sick of the X-Men. <laughs>
1: it's a good thing I'm almost done with them. <laughs> All right. So anyways, uh, we open up this thing. It is called Hell Hath No Beery dot, 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 as you said. Chris Claremont's the writer. John Romita Jr. is the penciler. Bob Buiasek and Brett Breeding are dual inking. Glennisween Ween is the colorist. Tom Orzakowski is the letterer. And Luis Jones is the editor. Jim Heem. Chuter is the chief So we are done with assistant editor month
0: Ugh, thankfully
1: No kidding That was a disaster
0: So where we left off last issue was Colossus had just been Frozen in nitrogen After being superheated A la T-1000 Terminator 2 Yep, that's right Kitty is uh, staring at him Jaw dropped Eyes tearing up maybe perhaps she is the the woman scorned
1: she definitely looks scorned here uh and i guess uh she he's uh he's at near absolute zero cold um he's cracking uh, and c- coming apart and the dialogue here says that when metal gets this cold it ultimately shatters so it looks like Colossus is in danger of being shattered. Right. So he's super cold right now.
0: They will mention the cracks along his body many times in this issue.
1: This sh- certainly seems like certain death, so that's that's pretty serious. So Kitty, she's sad, uh, but she says she's not going to cry. No, she she, um, she will only cry when there's no hope left. So
0: she's been an X-Men for long enough to know that you know you never know.
1: Yeah, I mean, she our technology, even though they left and they might come back. Right. And so she reaches out with her mind and calls Professor Xavier, uh, basically looking for some
0: help. Meanwhile, at the mansion, prior to getting uh, Kitty's call, the professor is sitting in front of the fireplace uh, in his wheelchair. I did not even notice during the initial reading that Rogue is in a chair behind him, and uh, he is reading some letters from Scott Summers, apparently some vanity shots that Scott took of himself and Madeline naked in a heart-shaped bed.
1: Well, that was my question. Is like, who took that picture?
0: (laughs) Who took the picture, and why on earth would you mail that to anyone? (laughs) Hey,
1: just got done having sex with my wife, just wanted to let you know that... This is literally minutes after coitus.
0: (laughs) We are staying in the swankiest hotel ever. (laughs) There are heart-shaped beds and a heart-shaped jacuzzi. See other photo?
1: Yeah, they're in one of those fantasy suites right now. We pay by the hour.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Be forewarned, we are completely naked in all the other photos.
1: Yeah, (laughs) this is the PG-13 one. Just wait till you get into the rest of the batch. (laughs) Professor's like, "Why am I dead from the waist down?" <laughs> and so he uh, he's thinking about becoming uh, a a uh, pilot uh, for his grandparents uh, in an Alaskan airline. So he hasn't announced that he's quitting the X-Men, but the seeds are being laid here. Yeah, I
0: mean, you know, I think it's at this point it's it's a given. Yeah. How many times has he quit already?
1: That's true. And now he's married to the wife and everything.
0: So sending out scantily clad photos,
1: <laughs> I'm getting some. <laughs> so this is at the point where he hears Kitty mentally reach out through the Psy link that he maintains with all of his X-Men.
0: He I sense your distress child. What's the matter?
1: She fills him in with what's going on. The brotherhood of evil mutants is here and Colossus has been terribly hurt. Um, She doesn't know why they're not bothering uh, with her. Um, And Nightcrawler's there, too. So we're in trouble, Prof. Help us.
0: I'll alert Nightcrawler and send Storm and Wolverine to your aid. And he thinks to himself, I mustn't let Rogue see anything is amiss. She used to belong to the Brotherhood. And Rogue is uh, apparently watching the professor. Or maybe her eyes are closed. I can't really tell. It's a weird coloring job. She's listening to some tunes. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Like,
1: I'm just hanging out in my chair, listening to my Walkman, staring at or well, in the presence of my creepy professor.
0: Maybe she's reading. Oh, yeah, she's definitely reading something.
1: Her eyes are closed because she's like, why is he looking at those pictures of Scott and Madeline again? (laughs) You. He is so (laughs) gross. (laughs) Give him some privacy for God's sakes. So, uh, down in the danger room, you've got a very hairy-armed wolverine and Storm doing some practicing.
0: Yeah, he's been letting the hair grow, apparently. Mm-hmm. He's got a six-pack of beer and a trench coat underneath him, and he's just standing there with his arms crossed, uh, crossed legs pivoted wide.
1: He says to Storm, your task is to get this trench coat and six-pack of beer before I take a dump on it. Go! <laughs> <laughs> and she flies all around the room doing a whole bunch of loop-de-loops. And as she passes by Wolverine, he drops his arm all, I don't know, samurai style? or. Well, he
0: kind of moves only his arm. He doesn't move the rest of his body. So it's kind of like this, uh, I can picture it. It's just kind of this martial artsy sort of yeah. thing, but it's silly. He also pops his claws. Snick it.
1: And uh, cuts a piece of her cape off without touching her.
0: Piece of cake.
1: Oh, really? Next time I'll fly faster.
0: And I'll cut faster, you broad.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And so that's when Wolverine lights up a stogie and they get the uh, announcement from the professor. Uh, Well, actually, we also get some dialogue that uh, Storm's acting a lot more like Yukio and I don't know. That's not cool. Stop playing chicken with a 200-mile-an-hour bullet train. That's, that's Yukio's style. Yeah, not yours, Storm. Come on.
0: One could have worse role models, Logan.
1: And that's when they get their emergency calling, so Storm picks up Wolverine, and they fly away, which is kind of silly looking.
0: Apparently they do it quite quietly. Wolverine's still got his arms crossed. He's just like, oh, I hate this.
1: <laughs> I'm so embarrassed right now. glad Mariko and I are through.
0: I really got to go to the bathroom. I better cross my legs.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, they take off. Um and uh they they wonder if uh, Rogue should come along or if Rogue should be alerted to the to what's going on and the professor's like, "Nah, we don't we don't really know about her status right now.
0: Yeah, they're her old teammates and we don't want to put her loyalties to an unendurable test.
1: Not yet anyways, you know.
0: Some time needs to occur first. He gets a side blast in his head, a Bolt of psionic force smashing through his natural defenses like they don't even exist. He cries out, "Arg, Professor! Is
1: everything okay? You cried out, sugar."
0: <laughs> a sudden headache, rogue. That's all. Oh. Go get me some aspirin.
1: Oh, okay.
0: But he knows that that was an
1: attack, or that was uh, that wasn't an attack. This wasn't an attack. A good thing too. It could have destroyed me with ease. It felt more like a scanning wave. But where did it come from? What is it looking for? So. Uh, Something is scanning the professor.
0: Well, you think it? Yeah, I guess so. Okay, that that that's that's yeah. Well, that's kind of what he says. Well, when I read when I read this wasn't an attack, I assumed that it was a random occurrence. I mean, we eventually find out what it is, but I assumed upon first read that it was just something that was happening that wouldn't have anything to do with the professor. Oh, like like maybe there was an alien scanning the world or something, or or maybe it was connected to Secret Wars. I don't know. But <laughs> anyway, none of that is true. Yeah. So, yeah, you might be right. Maybe I mean, it, it, it's, it's definitely a, a good uh, idea is that it could be a scan.
1: So Kitty is, meanwhile, still over uh, Colossus's body. Um, she doesn't think she'll be much good against the Brotherhood with her phasing power.
0: You know, why doesn't she try to phase Colossus out of the metal? Mm. I mean, it's probably not possible, but she doesn't even think about it.
1: Yeah, I would assume that, like, inside of Colossus's, I mean, we, we, I don't know if we've ever gotten this answer, but like, we don't know if Colossus has like metal lungs, metal heart, metal guts, and all that sort of stuff. But I would assume that inside of his skin would be his innards, whether they be gooey or metal. So mm-hmm. if she did t- uh, phase him outside of that shell, he, he would just, he would be all like organs and stuff.
0: So that's not a good idea at all, Adam. Well, maybe, I mean, but we know that she can, she can phase, I mean, it depends on how this is laid down around him. If this is just like a big sheet of ice, she should be able to phase through the ice and phase him out of the ice. Hmm. But perhaps it doesn't work that way.
1: No, I don't think it's I don't think it's a Bobby Drake type of ice block or whatever. I, I think he's just like he's frozen. like his metal is super cold. So
0: he's like he's he's fused.
1: Yeah. and I don't even know if he's really stuck to that pile. I think that's just the pose that he was in when he got struck by the the liquid nitrogen. So I don't think he's stuck there. I just think that he's ridiculously cold. And he can't move because he's been, you know, super hardened by the nitrogen or the heating up of the nitrogen. He's in a bad way is what I'm trying to say.
0: Yeah, he's he's pretty much dead.
1: Uh, so she's like, wait a second now. I remember reading Scientific America last uh, month and Reed Richards has a portable high-intensity heat source that he designed to thaw organic matter without causing any harm.
0: That could be precisely what Colossus needs.
1: Okay, Adam, now, I don't know if you've done this research, and I haven't, but... Is this something that was brought up in last month's or maybe even this month's Fantastic Four? Or is this just a kind of stupid plot device that somebody threw in?
0: I'm going to go with the latter.
1: Uh, It would be cool if, like, this was actually mentioned last episode or last issue of Fantastic Four.
0: It's definitely a possibility that it is. I have done no research whatsoever. I'm totally basing this upon the past yeah well i'm just saying yeah things the way that chris claremont and and john Byrne is writing the fantastic four right now and the fact that they don't do as seen in issue 642 or whatever right whatever they're on they're probably on 100 and they're probably on 202
1: this this just feels like that thing we need to solve this problem i know where it is
0: well it's a little bit more elaborate than that. I mean, you know, we get a little characterization of Kitty that she's smart and she reads Scientific American. So they're kind of drawing into her character to make it a little more plausible. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's kind of like it's 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 silly.
1: Well, and and we'll get to it. I mean, this this part of the issue is like, well, come on, wah wah wah. But when we get to it, I actually kind of like what what they ultimately ended up doing. So. Put a pin in that and just keep moving on. So she's going to head off to the Baxter building building and see if she can uh, borrow that device. Uh, but she is worried that with all those cracks in his skin, even if he does revert to human form, uh, is that going to just translate into a whole bunch of cuts and stuff when he turns into flesh? No one could survive such terrible wounds. But, I mean, she's a smart girl, so she's like, one problem at a time. Let's solve this and then we'll work on that. So off she goes.
0: So she goes to make a phone call because she figures not only can Dr. Richards help but the rest of the Fantastic Four could probably help fight the Brotherhood. So she gives the call and the uh the Fantastic Four's robotic secretary answers. Yeah. I believe that is established at least.
1: Fantastic Four Incorporated. Good evening. <laughs> So,
0: yeah, uh, of
1: course, in, in classic Marvel form, whenever you need another super team, they are invariably on a different mission. And so well,
0: we at least this time we get a little caption to learn where they are and what's happening to them. check out their latest issue of their own mag. But that's not a
1: reference. That's just an advertisement.
0: It's true. And I would wonder I wonder if we did check out the current issue of Fantastic Four. Wouldn't it be kind of funny if the whole issue took place at their house? <laughs> Like if if they were in the the Fantastic Castle or whatever the heck it's called, Fantastic, what is it? The Baxter Building. The Baxter Building. Yeah.
1: Wow. (laughs) It's okay. Uh, No, that's probably not what happened there. Probably on a legitimate mission. Uh, And and it would be interesting. A lot of times I've seen in some of these issues where they refer to one another that this type of a panel would show up in that magazine. That's true. Yeah. I've seen that happen.
0: That's always cool. I like that stuff.
1: Uh, yeah, and then Kitty even comments like, oh, God, just when you need them, they're always away. So I guess, I guess I'll guess i go over there and, and
0: uh, see if I can get that device and figure it out myself. Luckily, there's a nearby taxi. I don't know where they are, but there's a taxi nearby. She faces in, Baxter Building, please. And the guy's like, What? This ain't never going to believe, or they ain't
1: never going to believe this back at day garage. He sounds like that because he's black, and he looks very stereotypical black. It's pretty bad.
0: Uh, it's not us. It's the comic.
1: It is. It's, hey.
0: Yeah, it's very, it's very disco, too.
1: Yeah. Uh, anyway, so across town, uh, we see a body that's lying still. Uh, we learn that it is a dead body of a homeless person. And we pan up and we see that three of the Morlocks are standing on top, or standing above this body.
0: A dog shouldn't end up like this cow, much less a kid, says Sunder.
1: Yep. If the world. I don't remember what her Callisto voice was. If the world were fair, Sunder, we wouldn't be Morlocks. And then there's Mask.
0: Mask is, we said, was a guy, right?
1: I've always assumed he was a guy. I mean... No, there, there's another
0: one that's a girl, and I always get them confused.
1: Well, that's uh, um, uh, not... Well, she becomes Pestilence, uh, but I can't remember her name as a Morlock. Mm. She's
0: the sick, sickness girl. Yeah, okay. So Mask is uh, a dude. Okay. Uh, so basically, they are transforming this, uh, this homeless person's... Wait, I guess... She, oh, this person is dead.
1: Yeah, she's dead. So, I mean, you don't know immediately what they're going to do. I mean, they talk about how uh, if if this was Utopia, we'd still be rebels. We like it is what Mask says. I mean, we're just kind of getting a little bit of Morlock backstory. Um, And then Callisto reminds us that uh, Mask can change uh, or alter the appearance of people's faces and And
0: from the sounds of it mask is going to transform this dead body into kitty's uh face
1: when i'm done pretty kitty's own parents won't be able to tell them apart
0: he's a carnival barker or something
1: (laughs) i don't know maybe he's probably like a raspy voice
0: yeah yeah because
1: he's got that hood on when i'm done pretty kitty's own parents won't be able to tell them apart
0: and we all know that people with hoods always have raspy voices.
1: It's a fact. <laughs> <laughs> so then he goes to work. He touches her face and it starts kind of melting and morphing. And we cut away to Nightcrawler and Amanda Sefton who are making out uh, in front of a um, water fountain. Big big old water fountain.
0: And apparently they missed the first act of the play. So they've been making out for like an hour. My lips are so chapped right now, Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler. <laughs> we have you been making out for thirty-five minutes? I guess they missed the opening curtain, so they're
1: like, "The hell with it, let's just keep kissing."
0: Oh, I see. They're waiting for uh, Colossus and Kitty. Yeah, and they, I guess they got lost in the in the time. You know, I've done some makeout sessions in my life, and and you know they're great, but I've never done them while I was waiting for someone. And I would imagine that despite the amount of time that passed, if it was like. I was making out with somebody for a long time while waiting for somebody and it took them a really long time to get there, I probably would have, you know, especially if I'm waiting, if I'm also waiting for a play to start, I think by the time the play started, I would be like, okay, where are they? Should we continue making out or should we go look for them? I don't know. Nightcrawler needs to be a little worried is my point.
1: Or, you know, at the very least, like, let's go get our seats. (laughs) Right. They have their, or maybe, well, I guess maybe Nightcrawler has the tickets, but... I, I get your point. Uh, and they're also in public, so it's kind of like, you know, I, I get some, you know, little bits of public displays of, of affection, but like full-on making out, like, eh, for for long durations
0: of time. Oh, man, do you think if Colossus has the tickets, they've been ruined? <laughs> I'm guessing. Oh, what a waste of money.
1: Yeah. Well, so th- even Amanda's like, we came to see the ballet not to get arrested for public naughtiness. We should probably stop. The weird thing is they didn't hear like all of the noise that Colossus and Kitty heard. And I understand that I think Blob was like, It's amazing what you can do with gizmos directing their sounds and sights, but I don't know. It sounds like with everything that's occurred, like a truck crashed and nitrogen spilt all over the place and there was giant firebirds. I feel like Nightcrawler would have already been alerted to the situation.
0: These are very quiet firebirds.
1: Oh, well, speaking of firebirds, another one flies above Nightcrawler and Amanda.
0: And this one is clearly not a bird because they say it's a dragon made of fire, which makes me wonder why the last one needed to be a bird. But, you know, regardless, and this one's purple too. There's nothing phoenixy about this.
1: That's true. The moment the flame beast fires, its breath turning the water and the fountain to steam, Nightcrawler grabs his lady and teleports away. And they teleport onto kind of a road where Avalanche is waiting for them.
0: They teleport to the roof of the New York State Theater, which I guess Nightcrawler must have mapped out.
1: He took a quick gander up there. was like, I can make that. (laughs) Bamf! And Avalanche lifts up the roof of the building in an avalanchey sort
0: of way. What luck that Avalanche knew where they would bamf.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Well, I mean, all of the Brotherhood is kind of stationed at random locations. That's why you
0: don't see the blob right now. Or maybe Destiny is saying,
1: he's going to bamf up to the roof. That makes more sense. So uh, he the, the ripple effect of the Avalanche pushes uh, Amanda and Nightcrawler off the roof, but Nightcrawler teleports again. Uh, And he hates to run
0: away from a fight, but he doesn't want to risk Amanda's life. Oh, and Nightcrawler says, they probably brought destiny with them. She can psychically see the future. She'll know my moves before I make them. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And so Amanda says, who's attacking us and why? And, And Nightcrawler says, remember last issue when I was talking about Mystique? Well, holy coincidence. Can you believe it? Here they are. This is her buddies. I've got some serious questions to ask her. Let me tell you. <laughs>
1: and that's when he gets a telepathic communication from the professor saying, uh, you're in imminent danger of attack. And Nightcrawler's like, a well, little bit of notice would have been nice. <laughs> Nightcrawler, I was trying to communicate with you, but you know making out is like a side defense. <laughs> Your brain literally shuts off while you're making out.
0: We get to see Amanda Sefton use her magic powers to stop... The dragon's fire
1: yeah and i like her little power signature with the spherical things and the things coming out of her hands
0: it's very psylocke
1: yeah the the flashing of the eyes is but the the hand gesture and the hand the, the power signature is not really one of
0: the first spells mother taught was how to protect myself against fire elementals
1: i'm <laughs> impressed that's when the Blob, he he comes out of nowhere and he lands next to Amanda and Nightcrawler in a big thumb. And Nightcrawler and Amanda go flying.
0: Blob! <laughs> the skunk teleported before I could grab him. Too bad his girlfriend wasn't so lucky. So he
1: grabs Amanda around the neck. Hey, Nightcrawler, you pop your fuzzy blue carcass back here on a double or
0: I snap your skirt's pretty little neck. Okay.
1: All right, here I am. He
0: returns. (laughs) Then he has both of them by the neck. Let her go as you promised. So I lied. And he cracks both their necks and they're dead.
1: That is a really weird way for those two characters to end. I I thought they would be around for longer, but... (laughs) Well, that's the breaks. Uh... But wait Before his neck their necks get cracked, Storm flies in and says, If you value your
0: health blob, release them both. And we get a shot of the blob's butt and she shoots him with lightning. Yo, he says. Right in the butt. <laughs> I
1: wasn't cold fool. Well, now Wolverine's like, okay, I've had enough. Drop me.
0: I'll take the blob. <laughs> enough of this sitting around. I, I need the blood to circulate. My foot fell asleep.
1: I will place you where you will do the most good, Wolverine. And at that moment, I think best. So she's like, don't tell me what to do.
0: (laughs) So she doesn't drop him then?
1: I guess not. Oh. Mm -hmm. Uh, somebody says, I think it's Blob, he says, uh, Destiny, you're supposed to know these things. Woman, how come you didn't warn us that they were coming?
0: I'm sorry, I fell asleep.
1: (laughs) I've just woken up. Be careful, Storm and Wolverine. Oh, (laughs) oh, they're, they're, oh, right, they're here. Okay. You know, last night I had a precognition of me falling asleep now. (laughs) I forgot. (laughs) I meant to do something about that, but then I fell asleep. (laughs) Just like I saw.
0: She says that not all timelines are clear and certain to me, Pyro. Sometimes it is better to be silent than wrong, which I don't I don't know about that.
1: <laughs> Seems like a cop-out as a writer to be like, well, we can't have her predicting everything, so let's come up with a reason why she's not telling them everything.
0: But then she thinks to herself, Nightcrawler is safe for the present. I do not think Mystique will fault me for that. So in other words, she lied. Oh, so she's, she's a dirty old
1: smelly liar so she saw probably storm and wolverine coming in to save the day to give nightcrawler the ability to teleport out and she's like i'm gonna keep this to myself <laughs> got it you remember which side you're on old lady in And then uh, Blob takes a over one ton piece of rock and throws it at Storm and Wolverine.
0: Storm, who is still holding Wolverine, Mm -hmm. uh, blows it right back at Blob and it smashes over his head, which doesn't do him any harm, but still it's got to be kind of annoying.
1: Meanwhile, midtown, they arrive at the Baxter building, they being the uh, stereotypical cab driver and uh, kitty.
0: It's like 45 minutes later.
1: Now, Kitty t- uh, phases through kind of the uh, the divider between the back seat and the front seat to give the cab driver some money, and he's like, "Whoa!" and he's surprised and drops his cigarette. Even though Kitty entered the cab by phasing through the trunk and into the back seat, which I have to imagine the driver's like, "How'd you get in here?"
0: Well, maybe he forgot. I don't know. You know, <laughs> maybe like she didn't phase the- through the whole trip, and and then. Maybe she he wasn't so much surprised that she was phasing, just that she phased at, at at that time, and he didn't expect to see her. I don't know. I I buy it.
1: Whatever, it doesn't matter. He's frazzled. What again? Boys downtown ain't gonna believe this. So she uh, she walks into the Baxter Building, and she's like, oh, "I wonder if the professor can contact the FF." I don't really want to steal this thing, uh, but uh, I guess I'll just have to break in.
0: So she the does. professor isn't answering. She starts to worry that maybe Rogue knocked him out or something, which is I don't know. I guess it's in character. Um, there's nothing she can do about that, so she goes to the, she gets to the robot receptionist by facing all the way up to that to the I guess the, uh, the their their opening office, their reception area. Mm-hmm. Attention! You are making an unauthorized entry onto the premises of Fantastic Four Incorporated. Please stay your business and leave. <laughs>
1: And so Kitty's like, I don't have time for this. And so she phases through the robot. Her head starts spinning around like the exorcist. And so she... Tell she basically phases through all of the electronic equipment in the Baxter Building to get to the laboratory.
0: If I'm lucky, short-circuiting, uh, shorting the receptionist computer brain like that will give me the time I need. The lab is on the third level, but I gotta be real careful how I go. The last thing I can afford is to unintentionally crash some ultra important Pfizer experiment. So she's a conscientious thief. How does she know the layout of the Baxter building? Well, it was a published in American Science. Yeah, but they published the layout of the Baxter building? Everybody knows the layout of the Baxter building, Adam. <laughs> what kind of articles are like, Reed Richards had developed a brand new device, which he is conveniently keeping on the third floor of his lab. <laughs> the sa- The passcode to the safe in which this device <laughs> is held
1: is this. Oh my goodness. Physical interface with intruder temporarily or resulted in temporary dysfunction. So now
0: the receptionist is back together. She hits the alarm. Initiating stage one security alert. Not sure why I'm not going straight to stage five. Don't really know what's going on.
1: <laughs> uh, we get a decent panel. I like this panel a little bit better than the cover of the X-Men fighting the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. You got... Uh, Destiny in the background, kind of overseeing everything. Wolverine squaring off with the blob. And then Amanda Sefton, uh, Nightcrawler against Avalanche. And Storm versus Pyro. It's a, it's a decent panel.
0: It is, except for the fact that it looks like the blob is taking a dump.
1: Yeah, I was trying to overlook that. <laughs> but you're right, It he totally does.
0: Hold this thought, Wolverine. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, you can imagine like... Fat bastard language coming out of him right now. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so Nightcrawler does his traditional, like, teleport out of the way and then punch as he teleports back in.
0: There's a little caption about how he's moving too fast for Destiny to warn Avalanche, so I'm just sick. Avalanche! No, is it? Never? No! he Nightcrawler! Oh, it's too late. To the left, right up to... Uh,
1: uh, oh... <laughs> I'm tired. My stories are on right now.
0: I need an Excedrin and a cup of warm tea. (laughs) With some warm milk?
1: Oh, that would be heavenly. And so Wolverine and Blob keep fighting.
0: Wolverine bounces off of Blob, who says, You shouldn't attack a guy when he's taking a dump. (laughs) This is my time right now, not yours. Even the Hulk can't flatten me. What makes you think you could do better?
1: Storm starts a, a, a rainstorm so that we can put out Pyro's flames. So that works.
0: Crikey. I never imagined the Weather Witch would pull a stunt like this. It's raining so hard I can hardly stand. Don't know why I didn't think about that. I'm made of fire. She is a Weather Witch. Boy, I really got to think these things through before I do these attacks.
1: Somehow I'm sure this is Destiny's fault. <laughs> So Kitty is slinking through the Baxter building, through all the electronical devices, and she has now located the Hedo gun or whatever it was called. She's got it in her arms, she's phasing up to the ceiling, and she's about ready to uh, walk off the side of the building to get back to the X-Men.
0: Self-contained, portable, and easy to operate, just like the article said. (laughs) I know that just by looking at it.
1: And as she's thinking to herself, she's like, I can't let my concentration get broken while I'm facing or I'll fall. And that's when she loses her concentration and falls. No!
0: What's that noise? A security widget? Oh, no!
1: So she goes falling off the side of the building. And we cut over to the fight where Avalanche is like, I don't care if it's raining. I'm going to get you, Nightcrawler.
0: Even if my ground slide misses you, it'll still bury your partner and your girl.
1: And so Nightcrawler teleports and looks like he's going in to break Avalanche's neck. But that's not what happens. He just grabs him.
0: He manipulates his uh, Avalanche's ground tearing up so that it goes in the wrong direction and hits the blob.
1: whoa. And so he's laying on the ground. Wolverine jumps on top of the ground that is now on top of Blob and says, What use is it being a movable object if the ground turns to quicksand beneath your feet? Want to call it quits, bub? And he puts his little claw, his little fist up against uh, Blob's chin as if he's going to pop his claws into his head. Blob says, Hey, I'll give up.
0: You're taking the feet
1: awfully well, Blob. In fact, all of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants have been captured. Yay. Blob's like, hey, practical. You win some, you lose some. Besides, Fuzzy, whoever said this was a defeat? We surrendered. We didn't lose.
0: This was too easy.
1: Storm figures it
0: out. Almost as if the Brotherhood did not care about the outcome. Petey, Storm, part of Kitty's mayday was that he'd been hurt. And where's the kid herself? Yeah. Dummy, a girl don't matter, and her rusty
1: smooch was icing on a cake. Don't you clowns know what's going on? We
0: was never after you. This is a diversion. Actually, he says, ain't you clowns twigged things yet, which I like that phrase. It's kind of cool. Ain't you clowns twigged things yet? Yeah. I wish I wish we still used that. Let's, let's bring it back. Hey, Adam, ain't you twigged things yet? <laughs> is that like, haven't you figured it out? Ain't you yeah, twigged yeah. things yet? I haven't twigged exactly where this issue's going, but uh, we'll see. <laughs> uh, go ahead. Send
1: us back to prison. We've been there. We'll bust out again. But you poor slobs are going to have to find yourself a new teacher. Or will figure out a way to raise the old one from the dead.
0: <gasps> what? Cut back to the mansion where the professor is sweating up a storm
1: blast the interference is stronger than ever it's kept me from contacting the X Men since storm and wolverine engaged the brotherhood initially i assumed it was a psychic residue from the scanning wave but hmm something else is happening here i've recognized this but from where when hear me? what what is the professor all of a sudden he's changed his accent he's more of an eccentric <laughs> excitable man
0: <laughs> okay
1: less patrick stewart and more something else i don't know
0: all right <laughs> Oh, I can roll with that.
1: <laughs> I don't know. You got sometimes you just <laughs> got to mix it up, Adam.
0: Uh, <laughs> just taken off balance.
1: You know what it is? It's he's wearing this purple robe. He looks like an eccentric rich man right now. Oh, okay. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Rogue comes in and she has brought him some tea, but she's got a scowl on her face, which is a little weird. I brought you some herb tea. <laughs> uh, thank you. Very kind. Or that's very kind, Rogue. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Anything else I can do for you?
1: Not at the moment. Wait, no wonder it feels familiar. I felt it in Washington. Oh no, it's psyprobes. They're inhibiting me.
0: Er Wait a minute. Was the professor in Washington? Oh, wait, is he referring to Days of Future Past? Is that what he's talking about?
1: It would have to be, right? Because the only other time they were in Washington and Mystique was was when they were erasing the Fred Duncan files. And the professor, I don't think was along for that one, yeah, was okay. he? No, I don't so this, think he was. This, yeah,
0: this must be Days of Future Past.
1: It was Mystique who used probes or used something to inhibit my probes, And that's when Rogue lifts up the tray that she had to reveal a gun, and she shoots the professor.
0: What? Rogue's a traitor this whole time? Shazak! Arg. Arg! She thinks to herself, incredible. At the very last instant he sensed my attack to my psionic scrambler, he was able to make me shift my aim. So that shot meant to kill him only wounded him. Dang.
1: And then... Her accent changes He's unconscious now, though quite helpless.
0: Rogue enters the room. What? And we
1: learn that this rogue that shot the professor is actually Mystique.
0: The, the rogue shouts Professor, I heard a shot and a scream. Christmas <laughs> Apparently that's her new uh, slang or her, her, new, her, new, her new her new catchphrase. I hope she uses that again. Oh me too. Christmas. Isn't that Luke Cage's uh, catchphrase, like Sweet Christmas or something?
1: I, Holy Christmas, Sweet Christmas, I don't even know. Don't be frightened, Rogue. It's only me. I come to take you home. Uh, uh, uh. (laughs) (laughs) Uh-uh-uh. Mistake, is he dead? Have you killed him? Not yet. Go pack your things while I finish my business here. Why are you doing this? Because you're my daughter, and
0: the professor mind wiped you. He didn't kidnap me. Whatever gave you that idea. I thought you understood, Mystique. I came of my own free will. What? That's not true. <laughs> How do you know? The professor's a he's a he's a mind eraser. He could have probably changed your mind and you wouldn't even know it. Yep. And that's what I think happened here. <laughs> you don't ever listen to me. Uh let's see, cutting to the point here.
1: They basically argue, right? Mystique can't accept that Rogue left of her own volition to get her powers under
0: control, and Rogue's like, I can't touch anybody. And yeah, she says, This has nothing to do with love, but can you help me? My power's out of control. Mystique, Come on! I spent months trying to kill Tesla. I hated
1: her. Hey, we chronicled that. We did chronicle. That's the only reason I mentioned it. <laughs> Xavier's my last resort. If you truly love me, you will respect my decision and let me stay. And when it's over, when you have to decide between the X-Men and the Brotherhood, him and me,
0: then what? At least I have a choice. More than I got now.
1: Uh, this is interesting. She says, when I was a kid... Before I develop my power, I remember you holding me, protecting me from the badness and nightmares. You can't do that anymore. You don't dare. Uh, And the only reason I mention that is because I believe that gets retconned. Oh, so. Because this, this, this implies that uh, Mystique, either biologically or through adoption, had Rogue as a, a child before her mutant powers developed.
0: Well, we know that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So so basically you're saying that it gets retconned so that Mystique doesn't run into Rogue until after she has her powers? I think so. we'll, we'll have to keep track of that. Put a pin in it, everybody. Uh, so we cut uh, uh so Rogue has made her point, and we cut back to the X-Men and um, I'm not, I guess they're all just kind of standing around at this point, but uh, a hologram of Mystique above the Professor's uh, distressed body uh, appears and she says, X-Men, I have a simple proposition, my colleagues freedom destro for your mentor's life and the crowd has gathered and the crowd is like, eh, it's just a holographic prediction, no big deal because everybody knows that mm-hmm. How do we know he isn't already dead? says Nightcrawler I'm relying on you,
1: Adam, because my iPad died oh. <laughs> I think this is the last page, right?
0: Uh, No, we got two pages oh, left crap so uh then storm says what alternative do we have we must trust her agreed mystique to which i say i couldn't they have come up with some other solution but i guess time is short <laughs> nice you bozos won't stop us and those cops can't even they can't they can't got enough firepower we we get to walk away red-handed hooah misty takes care of her own and we nailed colossus And Amanda Sefton says, That slime wouldn't be gloating if Mother had taught me my death spells. Oh, damn. And Nightcrawler says, As much as I hate Blob's guts, Amanda, I am glad she didn't. You're scary. (laughs) Wolverine threatens the Blob. And then, uh... Oh, this Destiny stops to say, X-Men, I sense a crudal interface between Kitty Pride and... Hold on. The maxer building. Yes. Uh, Timelines intersect, but do not proceed. Um. So tired. Ignore me at your apparel. I don't even know what I just said, but don't ignore it because cause I can see the future. Let's go. <laughs> Gotta go. We cut to a police radio and then we cut to outside of the Baxter building where we see Kitty Pride lying on the ground. The device that she picked up shattered into a bazillion pieces. There is blood coming out of her back and her head and the radio says probable fatality. She's dead. Next issue, what happened to Kitty?
1: <gasps> she died. She fell yeah. off the Baxter building and splatted on the ground.
0: That's that's pretty dang dead right there.
1: What was Mask and Sunder and and Callisto doing though?
0: They have some sort of remember in the in the previous issue. They said they were going to help Caliban win Kitty Pride back. Hmm. So with the with the with the homeless person, they were. It looks like they're creating a duplicate Kitty Pride that they said. I don't know if her parents were actually involved, or if she was just saying that her her parents wouldn't wouldn't even be able to tell the difference.
1: Wait a minute. So do you think this dead body on the ground really isn't Kitty, but it's that homeless person?
0: Yes. Oh, spoilers. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Rats.
0: <laughs> no, actually, I didn't even think of that until you just brought it up. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Because I, I I rarely go back and think about things. <laughs> <laughs> think it's hard. I mean, next issue, I would have been like, oh, yeah, of course. Duh. So, I mean, for for
1: me, um, that's the part that kind of fixes the, the the plot device that I was complaining about earlier is that, oh, this thing that we need to solve this problem, I'll just go and get it. But she goes to get it, and ultimately that leads to a different plot line, right? So okay. it seems to me anyways, and I guess I haven't read ahead. I don't know what happens in the next issue. Uh, I guess I'll be disappointed if the professor's like, "Hey, I found this gun. Let's just use it on Colossus." <laughs> um, but
0: anyway, or if, or if like Reed Richards starts out in the next issue and he's like, "I made another device just like the one that Kitty was trying to steal before she died." I made
1: a de-Colossus freezer gun. I don't know why, but you can use it. Yeah. So, anyways.
0: Are there any heat based uh, based heroes that could like just heat Colossus up? Pyro. Uh, well, he's, hum- he's a villain. He wouldn't do that.
1: Maybe Human Torch could help out. Yeah. Huh. Weird.
0: Uh, Angel answers the mail. The X mail this this month. I saw that. And uh, it's not really that exciting. <laughs> yeah. Although he does he does say, just check out uh if you want to see more of me angel check out defenders and also check out upcoming issues of marvel fanfare which again never happens really? i've looked it's very weird like they keep referencing these issues that of marvel fanfare that take place in the savage land featuring angel and i they i i flipped through a ton of marvel fanfare and i there are definitely a lot of x men one, ones but didn't we
1: read some Marvel fanfares that took place in the Savage Land? When- yes,
0: but they happened prior to this.
1: Well, chronologically they happened. No,
0: public, publication-wise.
1: Oh, well, okay.
0: Well, actually, let me let me just verify. This issue was, we said, uh, published in November 8th, 1983. Oh, 83. Uh, well, that was just the publication date. And then... Marvel Fanfare number one through four came out in 1982, all four issues.
1: Interesting.
0: So those have already been published. Okay. Well, then who knows what they're talking about? Oh, show. Unless the internet is wrong and all of history is wrong. Adam, the
1: internet is never wrong.
0: The internet's very specific on this fact. (laughs) They say that the first issue came out in December 8th of 1981. But uh, I guess, yeah, the internet could be wrong. Maybe it was 84. (laughs)
1: We'll never know. And the only reason we'll never know is because we're not going to look it up. Okay, so if you would like to get a hold of us here at the Danger Room podcast, the X-Men Comics Commentary podcast, you can do so by emailing us at Danger room at com or visiting us at www.XMenPodcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Danger room Go, or you can hit up the other social media, Facebook, Dot com forward slash Danger Room podcast. We're also on Stitcher, and you can go up to iTunes, go to the podcast section, type in Danger Room. will be the first podcast that shows up. You can subscribe, leave feedback, or even give us a rating there. Uh, or if you feel so inclined, you could leave us a Christmassy or whatever your uh, winter holiday... Uh, Specialty is.
0: Well, this episode is probably not going to be published until two weeks from now. So, yeah, I guess there's still time for
1: Christmas. There's plenty of time for, well, holiday, to be politically correct. Uh, um, you can leave us a, a voicemail at 501 Get X Men. Yeah. and Heck yeah. How? Adam, did you do any readings?
0: I did. I read New Mutants number 12, which features. Uh, uh, the New Mutants are safe and stuff after their Roman adventures and Roberto uh, confronts his dad about attempting to kill his mom as well as the rest of the New Mutants and they get into a big fight and uh, Roberto says he doesn't ever want to talk to his dad again and his dad decides he makes a phone call to Sebastian Shaw and says that offer that you made for me to join the inner circle of the Hellfire Club I'm in oh man so that happens uh and then what was that that's pretty serious oh yeah yeah (laughs) i don't know what's gonna come of that but yeah heck yeah uh and then the rest of the issue is magma goes crazy and determines that she should probably go back with the new mutants to work with the professor to try to manage her powers because she doesn't have control over them seems reasonable that seems reasonable uh, Alpha Flight number seven is an Aurora and North Star uh, yeah. storyline. A lot of Aurora's uh, schizophrenic personalities. She's she's basically two people. We get some uh, homosexual overtones from a North Star, but I don't know if if we know that about North Star yet. Uh-oh. So it may have just been me reading into stuff.
1: Yeah, I think you're reading um, into. Well, maybe that was their intention all along, but he definitely does not come out as a gay man for another decade
0: oh really it takes it takes quite a while. I have the issue, man oh okay, okay <laughs> um so I don't know, so maybe John Byrne knows, or maybe there's just some stuff that you could read that way, but i guess I guess you don't have to <laughs> um maybe I'm just using the power of uh knowledge <laughs> <laughs> knowledge
1: is power, I hear.
0: Yes, yes. Um, And then Defenders number 128. uh, The Defenders are a little bit crushed after their handy defeat by the Secret Empire. Um, They're all a little bit bummed. Uh, Beast is talking about how all their Star Trek tapes were smashed and he's going through episodes. Oh, man, palance of terror, trash, city on the edge of forever, trashed, the empath, trashed. That was kind of fun. Uh, Then they decide to gear up and go to attack the Secret Empire at their Secret Empire base, which they do, cutting way ahead. (laughs) Turns out to be a big old trap, and they are now captured by Professor Power, uh, who, as we learned last issue, is the new um, head of the Secret Empire, uh, number one.
1: The new Cobra Commander, yep.
0: He's the new number one, yes. He no longer wears the hood, though. Oh, well. So now he's dressed in the, the the Professor Power suit. And it turns out that his plan all along has been to kidnap the Defenders in order to have them kill the new mutants. Because hmm. uh, he still has this desire to uh, kill all of the Professor uh, P- Professor X's. He still blames Professor X for killing his son. Mm-hmm. And so he wants to ch- destroy the children of Professor Xavier and he has kind of determined that the best way to do this would will be to have the old X Men who have grown up defeat the new group of X Men, and we get we get a shot of the new mutants just sitting around watching TV with a professor, and then uh, then he says, and after that, I can go back, I, I can go back to the business of ruling the world, and that's where we end. Oh, okay. So um, I'm, there's probably be some new mutants crossover coming up.
1: That I, I'm imagining. That's that sounds exciting. It's good.
0: I, I like this run of the Defender. So far, so good.
1: Did you read anything else, Adam?
0: No, sir.
1: All right. Well, I didn't read any Dazzler, so
0: we don't have to waste our time with that. It was It's never a waste of time with Dazzler. <laughs> it's valuable time in which I get to do other things. <laughs> do my nails,
1: trim my nose hairs, you know, important stuff.
0: Chew my toenails off.
1: You. Well, then, I don't, I don't have anything else, Adam. Do you have anything else?
0: No, Well, I don't have anything else. Do you have anything else?
1: Just to remind you that until next time, my name is Jeremy. My name's Adam. The danger room is closed. The earth can quiver and quake. The heavens But hell hath no fury, not half the fury of a woman who's been scorned.